Hi, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for the week ending Thursday, the 14th of April. Uh, Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on the podcast this week, you'll hear us chat about when you sometimes accidentally dress the same as your partner. And uh, Robin Anir was also on to talk about weird history, about the history of compulsory voting in this country. And deep heat, hot dogs, community footy is back. Uh, we talk a little bit about that. And we had Alex Ward on to talk about her new show, You're Welcome. Uh, we went into when you should retire an old appliance. And also foodie Michael Harden uh, made our mouth water with what he's been up to. Triple R. Saw some more comedy last night. And I just never get sick of going out into the city mm. and... and just seeing a buzz, like the shows on Sundays as well, everything gets pushed forward an hour, which is wonderful. Um, so this was, I think we were in the city at like 4.30, this is my partner and I, um, and it was just so busy. Like obviously, you know, comedy festivals on and people are spruiking that and everyone's around for that as well. Uh, there was a massive line outside, um, oh, I think Max Watson, also the town hall, like it was huge. Um, and then just afterwards, just going out for dinner and, and having a drink, it's, yeah, it, it's back and it's awesome, which is which is great. Um, now, I went to the comedy, I went into the city and we caught the train in uh, and I went with Abby, my wife, and we didn't realise until we got out of the car that we were wearing the same clothes. Oh, mm. Yeah. Now, how similar? Exactly the same. Now, the reason we didn't realise, so we both had white sneakers on, light blue jeans, and a black top. We had jackets on, mm-hmm. and then when we got to the station, we got out. It's like, oh, it's hot. Yeah. So, and I did notice that we were similar, mm. yeah. but with the jackets, it was like it's a different outfit. But then we took the jackets off, and oh. I was like, oh my god! I was like, can do you think you could keep your blazer on? She's like, it's like twenty six degrees. <laughs> I'm like. All right, I go, hopefully, and we, we just stood outside the car d- deciding what to do. I'm like, we're just going to have to go into the city like this. All right, let's just hope that no one sees us. And literally, as soon as I said that, we get to Footscray Station and I walk, we go to walk in and there's a massive crowd of people coming after the footy, everyone in bomber jumpers uh, and mm. stuff. And one of my football teammates yells out, oh. Bobby! Oh. <laughs> and Abby and I just went, oh. And I looked up and it was a teammate that I'm not – I don't actually we're not good mates so she kind of looked at us and she just went hey and then just looked at both of us <gasps> and just kept looking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth but didn't say anything oh, yeah. I just went hey have a good one oh, and then we just kept walking <laughs> it's like because we're not that close I'm just like we can't um is this a bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you busking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We were going out to perform something because it was oh, so yeah. ridiculous. Festival, you know, well, yeah, it was a duo. We we're just missing three of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> anyway, so we went. Um, yeah, so so we got into this town, and then Abby, one of we saw one of Abby's friends, and she saw us, and straight away she goes, "Oh my god, adorable!" And um, I just said, "Oh my god, I want to go home." I damn hate it. it! I'm sorry about that. So I mean, I just I go, "Can we just take a photo and post it on on social?" Because I just I need people to know that we uh, we are aware this is unfortunate. Yeah. I don't want people to point it out to me again anyway so that was mine <laughs> and did you did you did you point it out did you make a i did i absolutely did uh and and i'm glad i did because i saw another person that i knew um anyway and they kind of just laughed and then we laughed and it was like yeah it was it was very frustrating anyway the comedy was great which was really good it was a nice distraction i said we're sitting up the back we are nowhere near the oh, front yeah. of the stage 
Oh, how embarrassing. Uh, the What about hair? Does that <laughs> make a difference? Or sunnies? Or, or, Maybe. Or jewellery? Or I don't know. Like I mean, that would definitely enhance it if that was similar. And we both did have our hair in a bun. Yeah. But I mean, what else am I going to do with mine? What was the, uh, the crisscross bralette buddy <laughs> AFLW... Oh yeah, yeah. The two the two girls that played for I think Brisbane. They came yeah. in the bralettes. I mean, that's pre- I mean, you you're halfway there. Oh, oh, oh right. <laughs> to the best and fairest. Yeah, the best and fairest. Yeah, and that was cool. Mm, yeah. But okay, what, for them. Jeans as a base that can happen. Yeah, I think, and you know what. We just have to, I have different colour jeans. I have dark blue jeans, I have black jeans, and then I have light blue jeans. Yeah. And I we happen to wear the exact same colour jean mm. as well. Yeah. And sneakers and jeans is okay? Yep. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not runners. I yeah. don't think, right. I think runners, but whatever you're comfortable okay, with. Well, sure, whatever you're comfortable with. But like, <laughs> sometimes I get dressed and I just hear boom, 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 <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Get off, Jerry. <laughs> Uh, Norm Cordweave. <laughs> no, yeah. No, it's okay. I guess it depends on the shoes. Will and I sometimes end up wearing the same thing. Do you? Yeah. Oh, and, and what happens when you do that? Do you? Oh, look at us. No. I... Oh, how adorable. You love it. No, there was, I think there was a time recently where I came out and we're about to, we're about to leave and I was like, oh, that... I didn't know you were going to wear that. And then I had to go in when it changed. Yeah, <laughs> well, right. we've done that. Yeah, we've gone absolutely not and we get changed. That's why I think it was so devastating because we've, we're always ready yeah. for it. Mm. I went jumper shopping yesterday, bought this. Oh, did oh, you? lovely. Jessie bought the, an, the identical jumper. <laughs> did she? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Oh, but brilliant. So obviously, yeah. It can happen. Now it's, well, I mean, that was deliberate and then now that you mention it, it's like there's going to have to be phone calls if we're getting dressed separately. Oh, yeah. Because oh, otherwise yeah. we look like we're, you know. Little Tweedledum and Tweedledee. <laughs> yeah, and especially <laughs> this, it looks like we're defending Zelensky or something <laughs> in the street of Kiev. It's a nice jumper. Yeah, it thanks. is a nice jumper. Do you have a blue one similar to that one? I do, yeah, yes. That's I like more that. two-toned. But, yeah, this is. Um, and and you, you're, I'd imagine you're a great audience member. What do you mean? Like my laugh? Yeah. I, yeah. You'd be very generous. Yeah. I mean, if I find something very funny, then yeah, absolutely. But you know what I also, I, I appreciated sitting up the back. I don't like sitting up the front. Right. Like when the comedian can see your face, because then I feel pressure yeah. that you have to laugh. Mm. Yeah. So I prefer sitting a little bit further back. Mm. Than, I was yeah. at the front last night. Oh, were you? Yeah. For... Greg Larson. Oh, yeah. Yes. Had a fabulous time. And it's a... It's a joy to be there, so there's no self-consciousness at all. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, good. And it's a packed house as well, so yeah. it gets subsumed. But, yeah, there is sometimes it is, okay, Daniel, you've got to do some heavy lifting here. Yeah. yeah. I think if there's less people in the crowd as well. And that was, it, like, it was packed last night, which was great. So I was mm. like, oh, great. And I think Abby said the same thing. She's like, oh, we can relax and just watch a show and yeah. not have to worry. And then you went out to dinner and ordered the same thing. Yes, we did. <laughs> No, Did you? No. Oh, I'm so ready to believe that. <laughs> Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. With an election having been called, we welcome back to Breakfasters. Uh, historian Robert Anir for a look back on uh, voting patterns past. Morning, Robin. Hey, how are you? We're excellent. Um, when an, an election is called, where, where does your mind go when it looks back? <laughs> well, it always goes back, frankly, to the fight that women had to get the vote. But um, 
Uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, thinking, about, thinking about federal elections, you know, I mean, we were, Australia's got one of the highest uh, turnout rates of voters' participation, you know, in the world. So why is that? So that's what I went, thought I'd go back and look at. And that's, of course, because of compulsory voting. And that wasn't introduced when, you know, we first got a federation in 1901. It didn't come in until, like, 24 years after that, 1925. So the voter turnout rate in 1901 was not much over 50% of those enrolled. A lot of people weren't in favour of federation anyway, so that partly explains why there were so few in, enrolled. But it actually, you know, it, it didn't, didn't pick up a lot. And after the First World War, 1922... Um, it was still only about 50-something percent, 57%, I think. And so the, the, uh, the government of the day passed legislation on compulsory voting. They'd already had compulsory enrolment, but it was pretty hard to enforce. So compulsory voting came in 1925. So the federal election in 1925, um, voter participation shot up to 91% and stayed at or above that level ever since. So nearly 100 years, it's been over 90%. Wow. And it's only started. It's only started dropping off a bit since about 2010. But that's a trend across the world, and you know it's, it's plummeted elsewhere in the world. And here it's just kind of dwindled by about four percent. So it's down about that 91 percent again at our at our last election, which is what it, what it shot up to in 1925. But you know, how did people take to it? Is is the question? It was a big, you know, it was a bit of a revolution having to vote for the first time. Yeah. What what was the mood like and the the tenor of the debate there's a idea overseas that compulsory voting is undemocratic yeah yeah well there was some certainly some of that it wasn't very loud and it it of course i mean cast your mind back to what it must have been like then it was harder to get those sort of ideas circulating and percolating in the community compared to today you know you had to it had to be printed in a newspaper or perhaps on the radio but it was hard to get ideas like that on the radio um and you know there were um soapbox speakers um uh, and things like that that people might gather around and go yeah but uh, but on the on the whole they were they were really fringe ideas and the sort of libertarian idea of free will uh, and freedom of choice um yeah though there were certainly ideas that were put out there and i mean you know there was a bit of a bit of sarcasm in the papers uh people were saying things like uh, writing the odd thing like any elector failing to roll up and record his or her vote will be liable to a fine or imprisonment for life or something equally dreadful yeah. so there were a few people having a bit of a dig but mainly it was it was pretty much under the surface and it was attributed to I don't know if they had the word libertarian then but they tended to say it was socialists uh, who were um, who you know you would have thought were, may have been uh, big Democrats mm. but uh, nonetheless but the reason I'm thinking about on this date apart from it as a federal election was it was in the following year 1926 at this time in April that uh, one of the first people charged with failing to vote in that 1925 election uh, was brought to court. So after the election, anybody who was enrolled but hadn't voted was sent this form called a, a 31C, and it, uh, it left space for them to explain why they hadn't voted. Um, and, but this fellow just, you know, uh, said, I didn't want to, I object, I think it's undemocratic, and he wouldn't pay a, um, the, the stipulated fine or provide a decent excuse. So they took him to court, and his name was Edwin Ingledew, and he went to court in Devonport in Tasmania. Um, he says... Uh, he was, it was directly opposed to the principles of democracy. He'd always voted in the past, but he wouldn't be compelled 
to vote, he said. He said, I suppose some people will call me a rebel. Well, I admit that I am. And on paper, he doesn't, he doesn't look like a rebel. He was a middle-aged accountant. Uh, he was secretary of, the local, <laughs> secretary of the local public library and he was the Tasmanian chess champion. But he was, he was very kind of libertarian in his views. And uh, the magistrate imposed a, a small fine and Inglejew said to him, can't you give me jail time instead? And the, and the magistrate said, no, I cannot. And he said, well, that's unfortunate. And the magistrate said, why do you want to become a martyr? And Mr Inglejew said, yes, somebody will have to be. The country is drifting towards ruin and there is no individualism left at all. Um, so he, he uh, just had to pay his, his 10 shilling fine, but he did get a fair bit of uh, notoriety um, as a result. I don't know if it improved his accountancy practice. <laughs> <Amazing. laughs> uh, do, um, do you think donkey voting kicked off soon after? Oh yeah, yeah, no, that was definitely a feature, and this and people like um, Inglejew who came forward and, re and you know espoused their views and paid their fines and stood up um, for their right not to vote said, well, you know, at least I'm standing up for what I believe and I'm not doing what I know lots of people did, um, and uh, and just uh, doing a donkey vote. Although I don't think it had that name yet, or at least it wasn't. Um, it was just informal voting. Um, so uh, yeah, there was that was definitely <laughs> kicked off in 1925. So we we ought to also be marking the of um, of the donkey vote yes. as well, <laughs> but they, um, women they said uh, um, compulsory voting they reckon was good for women after the election they reckon that flappers had started to look into things a little more flappers being the sort of airheads uh, as um, reputedly of the day you know they were just sort of mindless uh, followers of fashion um, and, uh, and of course women had only had the vote uh, well they had almost since federation uh, in federal elections and. Uh, they reckoned it was hard to get women to enrol to vote because they had to give their birth date. This was one explanation for why uh, uh, relatively few women um, enrolled to vote in the first place, not why they didn't vote. Because they didn't um, want anyone to know how old they were? Is well, this was this was the idea. Yeah, mm. didn't want any man anyway. So you know, it was often a man who they were giving their details to, and uh, and they reckoned they uh, they didn't like that. And and there were also things I read here. One of the excuses of a woman who didn't vote was um, that she and her husband disagreed about who she had voted for, and she was afraid she would get a thrashing if mm. she went to vote. Yeah. So you know, that was not at all unheard of. Um, this is from these thirty one C forms. There was another man whose horse had broken broken its hobbles, the, the, the leather strap that held its front legs to get back legs, front legs together. Um, so it had broken its hobbles just when he was ready to start his ride to the distant um, voting booth. And he chased the horse around the paddock for several hours and was unable to catch it in time uh, to go and vote. Um, but my favourite, oh, he was someone who said, I was boozed that day from the a result of the dope, I think. So there was a, I don't know, there was a lot of cocaine around in the 20s. So really? that, that was probably, oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, they used to have what they called snow parties. In the, yeah, the roaring twenties. There we go. I know. Yeah, no, it was it was a thing. It was a thing. A lot of people went fishing on uh, on polling day and didn't get back in time. Um, quite a number of cases of people who took ill while on their way to the polling booth. At least two elect um, electors collapsed on the doorstep of the polling booth. One elderly person was being conveyed in a bath chair, like a wheelchair, when one of the wheels came off, um, and he had to be carried back home. Uh, there were a lot of motor car cycles and other accidents contributed to excuses. But my, uh, my favourite, I think, was this, uh, a man in North Queensland and he said he was nearly 70 years old, big deal. Uh, he had to walk 50, 
he had to walk 15 miles through heavy rain, uh, part of it through dense scrub, which was infested with leeches, and he had to cross a slippery railway bridge, which was missing the, the centre boards, and the last person who tried to walk across it had fallen uh, and uh, had been washed down a 300-foot waterfall, um, and so that was his excuse it's a pretty for good one, I reckon. voting. Oh. It's a good, yep, yep, I, I'd give him the go. Sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a um, video game or something. <laughs> <laughs> it does, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, basically you couldn't be a conscientious objector unless it was on religious grounds. They were the only people, uh, conscientious objector, objectors who were let off the hook. Mm-hmm. So Edward Ingledew or... Ernest Judd, a well-known Sydney socialist who took his case all the way to the High Court, um, had were, you know had no joy from their um, objections to well, voting. All right. So on this date, 1926, Edward Ingledew, first person in Australia sentenced for not voting. Yep. What a nerdy martyr. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robin and Ian, fascinating as always. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. See you next time. Melbourne's own Triple R. Local footy kicked off over the weekend for my women's football club, so it was exciting. Got to go down to the footy, and the first thing I smelt was the deep heat, and oh, mm. I just was like, yes, <laughs> local footy, I love it. Yeah. Oh, so went down, took Winnie down. It's nice and close to my house. I was actually watching um, our masters team, so we've got a masters, which oh. is. How old do you think Masters is? Over what age? So I Masters is, is, is like older. the legends kind of thing. Right. Well, legends. Uh, just old. Just old, oh. yeah. Like from 38 onwards? Uh, for, yeah. Th- yeah, I'll say 38. 30, yeah, 35 plus okay. kind of thing, yeah. So um, it, uh, it's... It, it's better than over 28. It's nightclub or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get in there, you old goat. <laughs> I remember being a bloody 18-year-old thinking that was so old. Me too. (laughs) Hearing the ads on the radio being like, what losers would still go to a club after they're 28. (laughs) Turns out heaps. (laughs) So, yeah, over... um over 35s and look a couple, I've got a few mates that play and I had been asked to play but I'm just like you know what I just I I think like I retired when I was 30 I think it was mm-hmm. I, I think I peaked when I was like 17 to 25 and then I slowly just got worse and mm. I was slow and I, I was embarrassed to be me so I just retired and helped out okay uh, and it was like you should play again you should play and a couple of my mates are like oh come down um, come down and watch. So a, a couple of us came down to watch, and they're like, "So you uh, you keen? You you getting itchy feet just watching?" And I said, "Absolutely not." In the first five minutes, three people have gone down, oh. <laughs> and not by bumps, not by anyone, not just falling. Oh no! <laughs> just a twist or something. And like, like one of my good mates actually went down. She was spewing because she was really hoping to get me to come down and play. Um, and yeah, she went down. Hopefully she's all right. But yeah, just a couple of knees. Like rolling their ankle? Or? No, it was all knees. Oh. And it was just, yeah. Um, but good on these guys going out and having a kick and stuff. I bloody love it. I saw a lot of people that I used to play footy with um, that were out there. Get this. There was a woman that played footy when I was like in my early 20s, and she was old. And it was like, oh, my God, how old is this like woman? Like she was over 28. Yes, right. <laughs> She's still playing. Like I've been retired for a very long time now. She is still playing in the Masters. She uh, captain coaches one of the teams. Mm. Guess how old she is. So, wait, she was old yes, when, when you I were in your 20s? Yes, when I was in my 20s. 
Oh, I don't and know. What is she? Is she 50? She is 62. And she's playing? And she's not only playing, she is dominating. Wow. She is, she is unbelievable. She played cricket for Australia years ago as well. Um, and she's just one of those people that are really good, but she is just like a real hard ass as well. Like mm. she is yelling at the runner who is 10 years her junior <laughs> to get out to her, to run the messages out. The runner's buggered, uh, mm. but she is just, but she hasn't changed. And she played a game at, 11.30, and then was going to play another game at 5 o'clock. Oh, goodness. She's just insane. Would you be a runner? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'd rather run the, the drinks. I think the runner really does have to run. Like, you are going back and forth, and you do a lot more running as a runner. I find the drinks much more social. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's run out. People are happy to see you. When you're the runner, people don't want to see you. So, yeah, oh, they don't want feedback. Yeah, message. you're getting dragged or you're getting abused or... Mm. Although you never give the actual message from the coach, which can be quite, you know, <gasps> brutal. I mean, you do, oh, but you, yeah. you just take out the, like... Expletives. Yes. So runners are mediators. or the, not the Messengers. Medi- me- well, yes, messengers, but they mediate the message and take off the harsh edges. I guess That's, some would. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some, <laughs> some don't, but with women's football right. and my experience, absolutely, the, the coach will tell them to get off if they suck or they've done this at... Heaps of times, and then they'll just go out and say, "All right, so we're going to give you a little bit of a break, okay? <laughs> just to rotate, or, or you know, it, it's just going to be a lot lighter than what the actual message is." But yeah, there's, but a lot of the senior women, you have two runners now. It's, it's big, like that's just so easy. I mean, you used to just be one runner that would run out. The but if messages. it's senior, then they might get tired. Yeah, so no, they got to rotate yeah. the runners. Yeah. Does a runner ever say anything positive? Like the coach just wants to say. You're doing a great job. Good on yous. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, actually they do. Like, And then I think at the time the runner's just like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? I have to go out. and um, So, yeah, we'll go out and just say, doing a really good job, guys, keep it going. That's yeah. what the coach. Yeah. But there are Not people often. who like gossip and they like delivering bad news and they stretch it out. Oh. We all have these people in our lives, don't we? <laughs> oh, so maybe you're the one in no, my no. life. <laughs> Possibly. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, and you wouldn't want a runner like that, would you? Like, oh, it's you know Brendan's turn. Classic Brendan coming with the bad news. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Now this isn't coming from me. Yes. Brendan would start. Bad. <laughs> People are saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the crowd and they think it stink. <laughs> my my brother used to play country footy and I was always running the boundary. And those runners, like the country coaches, Castle Maine, Maryborough. I tell you, mm. rough messages. But the runners would go out and they would tell them exactly yeah. what they've said. And the, the deep heat. So how Ooh. central is – so deep heat I see is uh, Australian-made, oh. uh, 1956. And you wonder oh, what really? people did before deep heat. Can I – what's its efficacy? Does it does it really work? Um, I, I mean, it's supposed to loosen up your limbs, isn't it? And, like, the, the trainers rub it into you, so, like, your hamstrings. So pre-game. Pre-game, yeah, Not yeah. as, like, a um, remedy. No, 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 no. It's all pre-game, warming up your muscles and getting them loose and, um, yeah. And, I, I mean, to be honest, people, you go into a, a change room and it is, it just stings. Stings the, the eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But some people love it just for the <laughs> just for the smell, I think. Um, I mean, it, I see Deep Heat sponsors the South East Melbourne Phoenix uh, basketball right. team. Yeah, they're the, the, the loosest team Yeah, going I know. Around. It's like, hey, <laughs> look at these stiff guys. <laughs> I mean, is, do you want stiffness associated with you? It'd be like Metamucil. It's supposed to be Metamucil, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, I reckon, no, it's good because look at us, we're so limber. Sure, but before the product, oh, it'd yeah. be like, you know, if it was Metamucil, it'd be like, you're constipated. I thought I was regular before, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you're going to make it a weekly deal? 
Uh, oh, yeah. Well, the good thing about the Masters, they only play every like two or three weeks, I think right. it is. Yep. Uh, and then they all play at the same thing. You know what I did, though? I uh, went to footy training yesterday with the Megahertz. The mighty, <gasps> mighty Megahertz. Mighty Megahertz. It was a joint training session, so the, the Rock Dogs were there as well. Yeah, not into it. Not Mon. Not a fan. No. I no, love the no. community spirit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. But we're rivals, yeah, you know. But yep. it's early days. It's very nice to. Yeah. And it actually is because um, playing Community Cup, you don't really get to know the Rock Dogs that well because mm. you see them for a couple of trainings in the lead up and then on the day and then, you know. But I just, you, can't, I just, you know, my heart is with the megahertz. Really. With the megahertz. Yeah. Is that why you just walked away from training, didn't want to go I back halfway through? I left thought, oh, yuck. Stuff you guys. Filthy I'm rock not dogs. <laughs> no, I, you know, as an ageing lady, have um, bad hips and right. had a, have a very bad injury looking for a physio. So yeah. anyway, um, was embarrassed. I was too embarrassed to, to join back after having to walk off halfway through, so then just went home. Okay, no, fair enough. Um, so that was the first time that I have had a kick of a football in, I'd say, four years. <gasps> so I was really, I was like, oh, because I hadn't been to a training. I, I knew that there was a barbecue afterwards. That's one of the main reasons that I went there. Mm. Um, and I knew that it was social, but I was really hoping that we'd do a proper warm up just for the sake of my body. And we did. Yeah. It was a proper, right. like, full run through and everything. Um, my hammies are a bit tight today. We did oh, do a warm down and everything. Okay. But I think it's day two normally that I'll be a little bit more sore. But, hey, a lot of fun. Yeah. So much fun to get out there. And just just a different group of people playing sport. You know what I mean? People like, who don't usually like, play sport. Yeah, like just creatives. And it was just like my two loves of, you know, performing arts, creatives uh, and sport, but all coming together together. Uh, to play sport. It, it was awesome. It's I loved greatest. it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll turn up. Yes. No, Daniel, what, what, sorry. I can't provide asking. anything except deep heat. That's yeah. what I'm being a deep heat. Loose limb, Daniel. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Alex Ward was a Royal Comedy State finalist in 2014 and 15 and since kicked on to appear on Have You Been Paying Attention? Right for the project, contribute to ABC Comedy's At Home Alone Together, Comedy Up Late, an Audible stand-up series live from MICF. Her fourth and latest solo show, You're Welcome, is on now as part of the Comedy Festival. And to tell us about it, The Breakfast is regular joins us now. Alex, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's such a deep pleasure for us. And you're, well, I should <laughs> say you're welcome. <laughs> what a start. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say it's a deep pleasure for me too yeah yeah sweet um what how do we how should we say you're welcome it feels i get what's the yeah, what's voice the in your head you're welcome like you're welcome i did that for you you're welcome i feel <laughs> yeah. like you're welcome i even did a show after the last few years that's how i feel when i'm up there i'm like you know what you're welcome that's right i had three months to put this together so you're yeah, welcome exactly uh and do you do you act do i act I do you mean, act in the show do you do you, on the stage are you the real alex Ward? yeah um, depending on the joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, do I act? Look, most of the jokes are generally not exaggerated too much. Sadly, yeah. those things do happen to me. Yeah. Uh, but am I acting right now? Who can yes. say? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a deep pleasure. You lied. No, it's not <laughs> a deep pleasure, I'll be honest. It's, it's a pleasure nonetheless, mm. but just not a deep pleasure. Um, how do your loved ones cope with, do you get a lot of, oh, is you writing that down for a bit or oh, don't use that on stage? How do you deal with that crap? That is a good question, actually, and they're all different. Um, my mum begs me. She calls me. She's like, hey, I put on a silly hat today. Can you use that? <laughs> I'm like, what? I mean... 
I don't know if that's going to be funny without people seeing you in the hat. You know, so I'll send you a photo. I was like, yeah, cool. I'll call my manager and get a projector screen ready. <laughs> so we can all see the hat. Mum's like desperate. She's like, well, what? You haven't written about me in a few years. So you know, I have thrown in something for her this year. And it is about her getting robbed. So I don't know how much she'll love that. Nice. That I'm laughing at that. Bit of mum red meat. Can we, how much... I could tell you about this. I don't mind. Bit, it's in the show, yeah. but I could tell you. But like, she was a bit. She came down for Christmas, and she was a little bit nervous about coming down from Queensland. Mm. I said, "Everything's going to be fine. Just come. Like, it'll be fine. Nothing will go wrong." Then, like, she calls me day two. She's like, "Yep, been robbed." I was like, <laughs> how, how? I straight away. I think it's fine because I was like, "You've done this. I know this is your fault." I just knew. It. I was like, "Who gets robbed on night one of a holiday?" Yeah. And she's like, "I was like, is everything okay?" She's like, "It's all fine." She actually got back what they took on insurance anyway. But she was mm. like. Yeah, yeah, but they. She was like, I was at home, I was in, asleep in the Airbnb. She's like, but they got the money. And I was like, what money? She's like, oh, they they got the cash. I was like, what cash? <laughs> she. I said, how much money? And she goes, oh, three thousand dollars. What? Yeah, and I was like, why did you have three thousand dollars? She goes, oh, you know, travel. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. And Melbourne don't have ATMs. Well, have to be careful. I don't know what exchange did. rate. Yeah, I feel like she went to the exchange. and Was like, I'm going to need uh, three thousand Victorian dollars. Thank you very much. <laughs> Where can I get an adapter for down there? Plug my hair dryer. I, was like, I don't know why she lost like the logic. I think she just like I don't know. She just did. She's a very smart woman, but when it came to travelling after two years of st- not doing it, she was just all logic went yeah. out the window. But so was she. So she was out, and someone she came in. She was asleep. Her and my stepdad <gasps> were asleep, and a robber came in. Now that's oh. this isn't in the show actually. This part, so yeah, exclusive. So this is yeah. This is some deep loving exclusive <laughs> material. Uh, so. I, she's like, she had two Jack Russells with her. I was like, what about the dogs? Didn't they bark? And she goes, yeah, they went berserk. <laughs> I was like, what happened there? She goes, oh, I just told them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they have on? one job to do and they're doing it. And mum's just like, shut up, shut up. Let I them feel- take the money. It's Melbourne money anyway. I don't need <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I feel exactly. Yeah. I feel like the robbers just thought shit, they were talking to her. Like, shut up. They're like, okay, yeah, we will be quieter. <laughs> Have you softened or are you still victim blaming your mum? Have I, no, I'm still victim blaming. I mean, <laughs> I feel bad for these dogs. Hey, imagine that. If you, what if you saw like a guy with a knife outside? Like, oh, I'll, commi- I'll, I'll protect the community and call the cops. And yeah. then you call and they're just like, shut up. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, you're performing the length of the festival. How? What's that like? I mean, I only ask because I was like watching a like an American comedian say, I did 10 shows in a row and I'm exhausted and it's weird at Edinburgh. And I'm like, oh. Weak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Weak. Yeah. For me, it's so easy, Daniel. (laughs) So easy. I'll do 100. 22, nothing. (laughs) Give me more. I'm trying to get a 9 a.m. show going. Let's do it. (laughs) Are you you going nuts? Yeah. In a good way. Yeah, yeah, in a good way. No, look, 22 shows is a lot, mm. but I don't want anyone listening thinking I'm getting tired. I'm no, only, I'm only revving up. You've got to buy tickets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it is It is obviously a pretty insane thing to do. We have one night off a week, mm. and even then I go in to see shows because it's my one night I can see shows. Mm. Yeah. So you're just out constantly every night. Um, and then you're also rat testing every day because yeah. your throat's sore every day and you're like oh I guess yeah. I'm sick no you're just doing a show every night mm. but um, it's fun though it is good because even though you're going a bit silly in your in your head mm. um, 
you also just get so into the show and it gets better and better. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I saw you last night at Geraldine Hickey's show and just as it finished, you had to sprint just off and go Just to be fair, I was in the audience. I wasn't trying to worm my way on another gig. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, need need a, you need a warm-up count? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need me to do Wrap five up. up the top? <laughs> But you're yeah. running off and then you're going and doing your show and then you had shows after that. It sounds pretty intense. That is the first time I've watched a show before my show, yeah. which is a is a bold move mm. because you sit there the whole time being like, yeah, Jez is pretty good. <laughs> I know of all people to go and see this. But very relaxing as well. Yes. So I feel like that was a good person to watch. Yeah, Great definitely. show. I'm here to plug my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want to see She's someone. She's already paid for ads here, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Not me. I wouldn't pay for ads. I don't need to. <laughs> Uh, what's your audience like, do you reckon? Uh, hot, um, <laughs> sexy. Um, cool. cool. I'm coming to see the show next Yeah, week. yeah, the moment they walk in the door, this is how I've heard them described. Um, they are, aren't they? Affluent. Yeah, no, they are. They're, they're pretty good looking. Mm. I, I haven't been, like, you can't see a lot. So a lot of people get nervous coming to comedy shows. Let me tell you right now, I cannot see you. I'm blinded by the lights mm. most of the time. So you just relax in there. Yeah. You can wear what you want. I mean, I'm not going to pick on I can't see you. Uh, but I had a little peep through the curtain as they were coming in last night and they were they were dressed real well, better than I thought. I was actually a bit ashamed of how I was dressed. I was like, underdressed. Yeah, I'm a bit under. I need to wear a gown. Tonight, <laughs> <I think. laughs> uh, is, is there anything... The idea of getting people out of the house post-lockdown, does that put any pressure on you that you have to make the show super worth it? Oh, you know, no more pressure no more than, than normal. Yeah. No more than just that they bought a ticket. Yeah. And I have to make that worth their yeah. while so they don't <laughs> waste their money. Um, I'm so happy to see anyone there mm. with the fear of the last few years. Like, I definitely think there's still a little bit of fear out there of people not wanting to go sit in rooms. Um, but... I'm so happy. So whenever anyone walks in the door, I'm like, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> Wear your mask if you want. I don't mind. Like whatever makes you happy. But honestly, it's, you know, it's been, it's quite a nice room and it's spacious and it's, yeah. it's good. How long before the show do you do the rat? Oh, no. Well, I mean, I've just been doing them every, every morning pretty every much. Morning. So, yeah. And do you sit and watch it and think, how's the rest of my festival going to pan out in the next 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm like, fingers crossed, get a nap in today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, of course, but I mean, whatever, it's just part of it. Yeah. Mm. I did want to ask, what is your welcome? What's the show? <laughs> What's the show? Can you do the show now? Yeah, sure. Hey, thanks for coming. No, out. you know what I mean. Hey, Can Mon, you... what do you do for a living? Can you describe... Is anyone did... here drinking today? Is, is, is it only through the run that you realise what the show is or... Uh, you know, you're welcome. Yeah, does, it, you... does it tighten up? Does it change? You guys, you would have heard this before that when we have to put in the show name, oh, it's yeah. way ahead. Way ahead. Yeah. So um, it, there is a small part of the show. Not small. It is a part of the show Yeah. Um, about when I was a kid, I saved Christmas every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll have to come to understand what that means. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. isn't a full hour of Christmas jokes. <laughs> this isn't a Christmas in Damn. March show. <laughs> Um, it's, it's not that. It's a family show. If and it's about my family. Okay. It's about my family. It's uh, about a family tradition we had, which is completely unrelatable for most people, but they still seem to really enjoy it. There's a, the, the feedback I'm getting is there's a lot of nostalgia mm. in this show and just that my family had this weird quirk growing up that made me believe that I saved Christmas every single year and the arrogance I had as a child due yeah, to that. Right. <laughs> And then what comes out of that when I realise that maybe I didn't save Christmas mm. every year because Christmas is just whatever. It's like, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's like the cloud. I don't know how it works. Yeah. 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 Um, do you think the Airbnb owner took the money? I mean, is there a theory? <laughs> yeah. 
The theory is I think my mother walked into town with a wad of cash yelling, I have relevant currency, and the robbers <laughs> saw her, and they said, there's the one. Something's <laughs> up. I mean, the street, some other people got robbed on the street, and they said, this has never happened before right. in this town. And I was like, well, it's my mum. She's mm. done it. <laughs> Grant, my dad was on a Paris train and got a, his wallet swiped from his back pocket and had an extraordinary amount of stupid notes in there. And it's like, on the one hand, you're upset and on the other hand, you're like, what do you think was going to happen? Well, it's not like people can see the notes sticking out of your pocket. I mean, sometimes people, you, you're a cash, you're a cash man, Daniel. You understand? Yes, that's. I only use cash. I'm like, yeah. Can I have mom. some cash? <laughs> Johnny's address. Yeah, yeah precisely. Um, and so now, where are you? Where you're at the, uh, Triple venue. R Studios. No, no, no. If you want more of that sort <laughs> of you're the, stuff, you're, you've got to come out tonight. You're at the Chinese Museum. Silk I am. Room. Yeah, I'm in the Chinese Museum. I feel like it's so funny when you're like, I think my career's advancing, and then you realize. You're literally in a museum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's over. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful room. Big yeah. brick wall. Is it? Cool. Yeah, I think Seinfeld. That's classic. Yeah, ah. yeah. It's awesome. It's in Chinatown. You can get dumplings after. Are there other rooms in this venue? Yeah, there's another room called the Jade Room, I believe, which is upstairs, which is a smaller, like half the size. Oh, you got the main smaller room? Than, yeah, I'm in the big, big one. Room, yeah, big room, yeah, 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 yeah. The there's probably smaller ones I ha- they haven't even told me about. Yeah. They don't bother it's me with that kind of stuff. What about your uh, music? Do you have what, how much thought went into that? Oh, so much thought. Thank you for asking. Mm. It is a 90s theme. Great. 90s theme music. I cannot tell you who I walk on to, but no. um, it does get a laugh before I've even got it. Oh, there. cool. That's my first laugh. I didn't, <gasps> I didn't write the joke. It's just a song. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. Oh, now I'm so curious. I mean, we've got to go. Yeah. <laughs> go along to He Hansen, I suppose. <laughs> you wish. Yeah, It's better right. than that. I nearly Nothing got you. Better. Damn it. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, this is very exciting. Um, it, what's it like to be back here? In the studio? Yeah, yeah. It's so good to see you. It really is. <laughs> I, you know, look, I, know I need you to understand I deeply love you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that what you need to hear? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, oh, we're, oh, we're out of time. It's the end are. of the show. <laughs> uh, what else do people need to know? Uh, it's at 740 It's a good time. It is a good 740, time. 740 It's a great time. Probably the best time you can get. Uh, 740 <laughs> Chinatown, Chinese Museum. Uh, come. It's fun. It's silly. You'll be. It's a fun show. How fun. And you're up, you, you're at gigging early this morning, even. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you I don't stop, really. I don't stop. That's yeah. the hustle and grind. Because you're not weak. No. Yeah, I like I all those other losers. so strong. I'm about to do some push-ups if you want to. <laughs> Yay. Uh, all right, Alex Ward can be seen in. You're welcome for the rest of the festival. Thanks heaps for coming back in. Oh, no worries. You're welcome. Triple R. The microwave that we have at our place has been a hand-me-down. Uh, we So I, I got this probably about four or five years ago. My, my best mate and I moved into this apartment and there was already a microwave there. So I don't know if the previous owners or tenants left it there, but we didn't have one and we're like, oh. So we gave it a clean mm. and we used it. It's just an old crappy one, but it, it worked. And um, we said we were going to get a new one for a, for years, but we didn't. Then when I moved out with Abby, my housemate said, you could take it. I'm going to get a new one. It's like, okay. Anyway, so we've had it for a couple of years and I finally carked it. Mm. Um, so carked it. Um, so didn't realise how convenient microwaves are. Mm. Like I just – and Abby didn't have – when she was in Adelaide, she didn't have a microwave. And I remember going to her place. I'm like, how? How do you heat things up? She's like, stove or the oven. I was like, oh, my God, that's so time-consuming. <laughs> Don't you just shove it in the microwave? She's like, oh, we've never had one. Um, I reminded her of this because 
our microwave has cocked it and it's so inconvenient. Uh, we try to heat up food like within 10 minutes of it going down. It's like, oh, that's right, the microwave doesn't work. Uh, try to heat up a heat pack. That's right, microwave. Popcorn. Anyway, we're fine. Oh. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, so, so we went to go shopping for, for a microwave. Now, I'm not sure if you guys have – Nigella Lawson has a obviously famous cook cooking show. She famously said microwave on her show. Microwave. Microwave. I don't – Sorry, yeah. You think it was a joke? Of course it was a joke and I just am amazed that that made news. People put on (laughs) funny voices to say different things and then it was like there were like think pieces about it. She just said it in a funny way. She said it, yeah. And that was... I thought she was just being funny. It's the idea that people... I don't know that she was being of funny. Of course she is. Oh, she's so just a good it, actor. I think it's all these... I think it was like a bunch of Americans being like, oh, these crazy Brits, you know, don't know how to say microwave and they couldn't take a joke. She's sexing up microwave. That is funny. Successfully. Yeah. Yeah. So I had that in my head when we were shopping and I couldn't help... So when we were looking and they're like, can I help you? I'm like, can, can you please show us a micro... A micro... Microwave? <laughs> Because she'd put it in my head and I knew how stupid it was, yeah. but I couldn't say it because it just had microwave in my head. And so I'm just, I couldn't even say bloody microwave. And Abby just looked at me. She's like, are you, are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> I said, I don't think I am. Anyway, uh, we had a look and we're looking through and, and then the, I think the next place we went to, they're like, can we help you? Abby's like, microwaves. I'm like, thank you so much. Mm. <laughs> how would you, what would, if you were going to design a microwave from scratch, Oh, what would be it? Well, I mean, I've seen ones with wheels on them, you know, <laughs> or they'll say, it'll say roast chicken. It's like, leave oh. all that shit off. Yeah. yeah. Don't put on a random meal. Well, do you know what mm. I've, the one I've got, which is all you need? I've got my microwave um, was a wedding gift to my parents <gasps> in 1980. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's NEC. I don't even know if the, the oh, company has yes. gone under or not. Wow. And all it is is a dial, like on off yes. with the timer and a button to open the door and that's it. And, and it still works. Yep, yep, and it still works and I'm fine and we're fine. Oh, and, my Lord. Um, no, it's yeah, it's amazing. And it's, yeah, so. But we, I didn't have one for, for years, like when Will and I first moved in together. And I was like, we don't need one. And then I realised, like, I like to use a heat pack. Yeah. But I was like, no, I don't have a microwave. I like having minimum appliances. Um, and then... Um, mum and dad were like, well, why don't you just – my sister had had it. Mm. She was getting a new one. So she was like, why don't you take it? So I took – and my, my and partner was like wanted to make popcorn. So we took it and it's yes. really handy to have. But, yeah, 1980. That's not right. It's – I, I, I well, know what you mean. I'm, it can be correct, but it doesn't make it right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, weren't Michael – American Hustle, you know, the movie mm. with Christian Bale. Yeah. The, the, it's a – it's set in like the late seventies, early eighties, yeah. and microwaves in this film were invented, or, oh. or become popularized. Yeah. yeah, well, it's probably probably was a really good wedding present. <laughs> well, Dad talks about trying to cook a roast in it because he's like, "Oh, I can do everything." When they first got it, and absolutely couldn't. How big is it? It's normal microwave size, right? Like, like twenty-five liter kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, sure. Something mm-hmm. like that. What yeah. about you know when they're obviously if you're sitting in front of a microwave, I think it's depressing enough. Yeah. Sorry, Bobby, I know that you. <laughs> And so, but when the uh, the wheels, because you know it's or the glass trays oh, on yeah. this like rotate, and then if the wheels come off the rails, yes. oh yeah, mine doesn't rotate. It doesn't rotate. Doesn't no, rotate. It doesn't. Well, it's that old. It doesn't have. So you have to open it up and turn. <laughs> what? 
for real? Yeah. I remember going to friends' houses in primary school and being like, wow, this, this, you can see, like, one, there's a lot in it. And two, this stuff spins around. Oh, my grand didn't have a light. So it's just humming in the dark, stationary, (laughs) ready to blow. It is ready to blow. Would you open the door and move it 90 degrees or 180 degrees? Yeah, but I get open it. I give whatever it is a bit of a stir, put it back in. Oh. So you do popcorn <laughs> in there and it doesn't rotate and it's still, it's fine? It's fine. Everything. I just thought it had to rotate. Nah, all good. <laughs> just all fancy Rotating stuff. It doesn't, you don't but need yeah, light. when it comes off, the, when, the, when the wheels come off the rails oh, and you've got to reset that, oh. or you get, you got to get the, the thing in the grooves, like there might be three. Yes. That is so depressing. So depressing. <laughs> but you don't have to worry about that, do you? No. No, just whack it in, go sit down. That get should a really be a museum. <laughs> it should be. That's nonsense. <sighs> also, microwave doors swing open too wide. Oh, yeah. This is what he, it's, mm. like, it's like you've been just... finally given the opportunity to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I know. What about an automatic door microwave? Not automatic, but like, you know, like it separates from the middle. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like a, like a bus. Yeah, like a like bus. A bus. That microwave. Mm. You like that with the doors though, because they do swing fast, but they bounce back. So you've got to be careful. They do bounce. Mm. Yeah, they're too bouncy. They yeah. are too. I assume yours doesn't. Does yours your hinges got a, are rusted and just, no, there's no you just got a button, it pops right open. Yeah. Yeah. So well you gotta make sure that the floor space in front is clear because it's it's got such a whiplash vibe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well I know what your doors is. It's probably like a saloon door. <laughs> That's right, Triple R. I'm hungry, I want something to eat. Something with a crunch and very sweet. Here to tell us what's happening food-wise around town, we welcome back to Breakfast. is the man who literally wrote the book on Melbourne dining, Michael Harden. Morning, Michael. Good morning, how are you? Good. Uh, we're excellent. Uh, That's good. Is there going to be a uh, update, a sequel? I'm, th- I'm thinking that Melbourne, the making of... Yes, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's about time for it to, to have a sequel. It's sort of like a lot of things have happened since that book, but it yeah. was sort of like it was a really fun book to write, and it kind of made me really sort of understand and appreciate the whole history of hospitality in Melbourne, um, and you know, sort of it's, that stretches back right to the beginning and how um, important licensing laws are to the culture of a city. So right. It was, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it was really interesting. It was when I when I was um, doing the project, it was sort of like it just seemed so dry. It's sort of like, hmm, let's talk about licensing laws. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it actually ended up kind of give, giving me a really sort of like um, an understanding of how law can sort of really benefit. Um, an industry like it did with uh, with the with the hospitality industry. Right. Like, we wouldn't have had a we wouldn't have had a small bar scene if not for the changes to the um, the licensing laws. Yeah, and that's your so. spiritual home, the small bar. Exactly, scene. <laughs> it's where it's my happy place, my safe place, <laughs> exactly. and my preferred. Place. So, what research are you doing now to inform perhaps the next edition? Um, I am. So I'm basically like a haggard old foie gras goose. I've been eating so much food over the last two weeks. Um, I feel like I've been stuffed full, but uh, there's been some good stuff to eat as well. I'd sort of like it's we're right in the middle of um, 
what I call um, it's reviewing season at the moment. So um, a lot of the guides, like the Good Food Guide, um, the Gourmet Traveller um, Awards, that sort of stuff, are all sort of looking at restaurant where people um, reviewers are out and about looking at restaurants at the moment. So that's what I'm doing, and um, and you know there's been some good stuff in Melbourne at the moment. It's sort of like some sort of really high-end stuff, some really, um, really exciting sort of like entry-level things as well. So um, I guess the sort of the big news on the um, Melbourne restaurant scene was the opening of Grill Americano, which is in the city on Flinders Lane. It's a Chris Lucas joint, um, which is, uh, he is responsible for Chin Chin and Kasume and Society and uh, Yakimono. He's like, you know, he's a serial restaurant opener, Mm -hmm. spends a lot of money on them and everything this one i think is his best work um it is um it's very well realized it knows what it's doing it's sort of a sort of american style tuscan grill it's very glamorous um it's sort of like all the furniture is this royal blue upholstered furniture it's got you know glossy terrazzo floors it's got a beautiful white marble bar with Mm. um you know shiny metal lamps lighting it and everything and white jacketed waiters Mm. and everything is beautifully presented like you know the the signature drink the americano they serve in a highball glass and it's got a single oblong of ice that that reaches to the top of the glass and on the top of the um, the oblong they've done a little bit of a little circle of mandarin peel nice. and they've used like a mandarin infused soda in it as well so you've got you know the, the sort of the regular ingredients and in the you know the campari etc and then sort of some mandarin mm. in it and um and the little circle on the top it stops your nose touching the ice when you're drinking the drink cool. but it also gives you a little whiff Oh. Of mandarin with every sip Jeez, that you have, to and then it's it? it's also served with two little segments of mandarin that have been dipped in chocolate. Hmm. So it's kind of it's so it's really like you know you're paying twenty four dollars for a cocktail, but you sort of look at the kind of care and attention that's gone yeah. into that and the the room, and you sort of think, okay, this is really worth it. And then you know this is not a cheap restaurant. You know you're going to go in there and you're going to spend a lot of money. You could probably. You know, at the moment, it's really hard to get into because it's the, the in-place and everything. You could go to the bar, have a cocktail, have a couple of snacks and get out. And, um, you know, that would be, you know, that would be fine. But it's also a steakhouse. So there's some really good meat to be had as well. They cook it all over charcoal and everything. But little eye-watering in terms of, you know, some of the prices. So it sort of it starts at around the, the cheapest entry-level steak is 50. Mm-hmm. And that's naked except for, like, a choice of sauce or mustard. Gee. So you've got you've got sides on top of that so it's sort of mounting 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 then quickly shoots up past the gina reinhardt branded um (laughs) steak um to the t-bone at the top of the thing 1.2 kilogram t-bone for 165 Mm. Um, to share i assume you can share that if you're (laughs) 1.2 kilos quite a lot lot of meat (laughs) on it so um but yeah so and some and you know it's one of those things that also they've got like the wine list they've got like an amazing wine list and amazing wines by the glass but um, I would warn everybody to, um, if somebody's offering you something there, to um, just check on the price that yeah. they're charging because they've got a Coravan system there, which is a system where um, they they um, don't take the top off the wine and sort of a needle goes into the wine and they and they so it can be preserved for longer, like once they, the bottle is mm-hmm. open, so they can open like really good wine. And uh, I was offered a Barolo from 2013 Italian red wine um, and a very good brand, and I said to my friend, oh, this will probably be a bit expensive. 
And um, then the bill came. We had a glass and she had a half a glass. I had a glass. And the bill came and it was $70 a for glass. glass. Yep. <gasps> um, and so for the glass and a half, it was $105. So, mm. so transparency is all. Yeah, here. I feel that like this is this is sort of, should be a rule in restaurants, I think, that if they're going to charge anything sort of above 20 to 25 for a glass of wine, you know, because it's starting to become that yeah. way that you're kind of expecting like glasses of wine to be 17 or 15 yeah. or something. But if it's over that, you sort of think... There's a way of doing this where and, you yeah. go, and that tonight is, you know, seventy dollars a glass. It's awkward as, as a as a you know customer. I always feel embarrassed to ask if they they say, "Oh, this is the perfect wine for this meal. You must have it." Then you, I feel always a little bit embarrassed to go, oh, "But how much is it?" Yeah, and no, they but, know you do, so that's why they they don't. Yeah, tell you exactly. But do you know? I I feel so throw off that shame. I say, yeah. you know, just kind of like ask ask the question. And, is this wine as much as my steak? <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Is this one as much as my rent? Yes. So, you know. At the risk of not getting a second date, how much is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's good. But, you know, and, and it's you can do it in ways that's sort of like, you know, they, they, these top-end restaurants have good sommeliers. So it's sort of like, you know, you can give them a challenge, go, look, I want a couple of glasses of wine tonight. I don't want to, you know, it's like I want it to sort of um, match the, the food that I've just ordered, but I don't want to pay any more than X amount. Can you help me out with that? And then it gives them a challenge and you've kind of like set them a, mm. a way of doing things. Yeah. It's sort of like I just think that, yeah, with, with the prices of wine and everything, I think it's it's a good idea to, um, you know, Check. Ask, yeah. Check. Mm. Well, I walked past last night. The whole area was heaving. Oh, it's amazing. You know, it's really like the city is alive at the moment. It's really hard to get bookings. Um, you know, it's, I went into, I went back to Grill Americano um, for a second time on Saturday night just to have a cocktail at the bar and some oysters, and um, they were like, "Oh yes, we could have a spot for you at the bar in uh, oh, ninety minutes." So I was like, hmm, "I think we might, we might head off." Thanks. So, uh, but but it's good, you know. It's I'm sort a of spontaneous like, drunk. I don't yeah, know exactly. <laughs> How dare you? It's like I'm thirsty right now. <laughs> but it is. It's a good. Like, you look at the last two years as you know as a as a punter. That's kind of annoying in the moment. But mm. how wonderful oh. that mm. these places are chock full of and, people. And then you have forty options well, to go exactly. to. This is the thing about Melbourne. Like you know, it's not like you go. Well, that's the only restaurant in town. So you know, yeah. we may as well just go home. Mm. You know, it was like I went. It was like when I went to the Parks, which is another new restaurant I want to talk about. But like they 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 don't have bookings. Um, little place in uh, Little Collins Street, same owners as have Sunda and Aru, um, which are really great um, Asian fusion restaurants um, with a, with a, that are headed by a guy called Kan Yuen, who's like one of the best chefs in town right now, doing some beautiful things with flavour. And Parks is a guy, um, is run by a guy, um, Dennis Yong, who um, he used to work with Khan. Um, and he is doing all... Um, Sort of, it's it sounds really worthy, but it's sort of like it's like sustainable and you know recyclable, you know blah 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 blah, and it's all about fermentation. But the food and the flavors that he's doing there are just sensational. Like it's mm. like he's doing things like, um, like with say with his oysters, for example, he's doing this, um, he's dressing them with a mango kombucha vinegar. Uh, that's that he's fermented in beeswax, and so he he gets things like mangoes that are 
unsaleable. Like they're so ripe that they can't they can't be sold the next day. And you'll take those and you'll turn them into kombucha and then turn that into vinegar. He uses oh, um, he uses like the outer leaves of lettuce to and he ferments them mm. and he, he puts them with other things. Um, he like the, the one of the best dishes was this ice cream that he makes. Um, and he um, he uses a miso that he's made from because the, these restaurants are all attached to the Windsor as well, like they're owned, all owned by the same people. And so he uses the scones that are left over from the Windsor yeah. high tea and he turns those into a miso. And because they've got dairy in them, mm. they, they ferments and they've got like a slightly blue cheese sort of flavour to them. So he mixes that as a miso through the ice cream and then he serves it with a poached pear that's been poached in um, like wow. cacao nib syrup so it's got a little chocolatey kind of sweet pear thing going with this like miso blue cheesy sort of thing. It's all anti-waste. Wow. It was seriously philosophy. one of the best things I've eaten in a long time. Parks? It was so is that what it's called? Parks. It's like scrap backwards. So okay. P-A-R-C-S. So, wow, um, you know, he's, he's doing sort of some he, – like and all the ingredients that he's using, um, he's using like anything that comes into the kitchen that he buys, it's all really sustainable. So the meat that he uses, he's using kangaroo meat. Mm. He does a really good um, – he does a very good kangaroo with um, – that he um, mixes with a fermented salt bush leaves and uh, things like that. So it's just, you know, it's, it's he does and also an, a, another dish uh, an, uh, called umami e pepe, which is a sort of a take on cacio mm. e pepe. And um, he uses hokkien noodles and then he uses a bread miso, another, which is another one which is used with rye bread and butter and stuff like that. So it's, um, but it is a no bookings restaurant, so you probably will have to wait, but... Uh, that was one of the great things. It was sort of like we went, okay, where can we go? And we can go, well, there's Gin Palace and then there's that wine bar that just opened there. Mm. And sort of like, you know, there was like yeah. four bars within t- pretty much 20 metres of where we were that you could go and have like an excellent martini in, um, in Gin Palace and then stroll back and there's, there's a table for you. So, um, Is there, there anything else that gave you goosebumps? There's, um, I had a really, really good book. There's the um, dish at Rosella, which is where the Gertrude Street Enoteca used to be on Gertrude Street. It's a new, it's a new restaurant um, by uh, Rocco Esposito, who used to have um, Project 49 down in Collingwood. And he's doing this, like, just, he's doing really good home style um, food from Puglia. He's, he's originally from Puglia. And uh, he did this just delicious rice, potato and mussel dish that's all sort of cooked in the pan but absolutely beautiful sort of home style Italian and then um, he does a, a version of spaghetti assassina um, which is a spaghetti that's cooked in a similar style to risotto but it's so it goes into the pan uncooked and it's it's done with um, like a, a stock that's made out of tomato paste and water and then and then with other tomato and so it cooks so it's crunchy and mm. sort of it's sort of like and the, the all of the sauce as it cooks sort of soaks into the spaghetti and it's sort of like just this most delicious Delicious kind of umami tomatoey bomb of pasta. It's like it's uh, totally delicious. So um, there's some good stuff happening around. I am a happy foie gras. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh, lockdown is well and truly over for Michael Harden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, we look forward to hearing heaps more when you come back. Yeah, great. See you next time. Bye. Triple R. Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the Triple R website.